So I have put on the screen, so that you could easily find it, my blog. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more verses than you're probably going to be able to write down. But I want to give you a concept. In a sense, I want to just blast something into the atmosphere of your heart. And you can go to pastordude.com forward slash blog. And you'll see uh, all of the stuff that I blog on there. I mean, I'm addressing depression, emotional ups and downs, being financially empowered, stop asking for easy, get in a fighter's frame of mind, the five deals of relationship. You're either conquering or you're conquerable. Uh, Just some encouragement for you on there. I try to post things on there pretty routinely. Uh, And it's pastordude.com forward slash blog, or you'll see the blog on pastordude.com. But what I want to talk to you about today is a really important concept, and it is intercessory leadership. And Tracy and I, the first 20 years of our marriage, had someone living in our home for 17 of those years. I don't recommend it, uh, but it just worked out that way. We constantly, there was an exchange student who was displaced and she needed a place to stay. There were different people that we were just taking in to try and help in different seasons of their lives. And every time somebody would move into our home, we would have this very intense conversation that I want to have with you today about what it is to really carry a burden that doesn't even belong to you. That's leadership. And and all we're talking about what's going on spiritually around us, there is more going on supernaturally than any of us realize. I am so excited about these next generation church leaders that are rising up and taking their place, stepping into all God's called them to. Man, I don't want to just... uh, cooperate with an awakening of momentum of passion, I want to empower them as intercessors so that they are not just cultivating a short-term passion, but they are long-distance runners. The kingdom of God is not about sprints. The kingdom of God is not even about long-distance running. The kingdom of God is about passing off the baton from generation to generation with a race that goes well beyond our lives. That means we have to run our race well, always looking to the next generation. One of the things we find when people come to our church and they, you know, were, were radical in the minds of a lot of uh, conservative church experiences. <clears throat> but the thing that I constantly go back to, isn't it true? In your life, in your family, it's always the adults who are making room for the kids. It's not the adults requiring the kids to make room for the adults. It's always the adults that make room for the kids. When an adult wants to have a, chi- a conversation with a baby, doesn't require the baby to have adult language. They immediately become a baby themselves. You've all done it. I've done it. Uh, that's just the nature of cultivating a relationship that empowers the next generation. So a church experience that speaks that language is a really important part of that community, connection, <clears throat> all those things. So as you and I carry certain burdens, and we want to awaken this in the heart of intercessors, I think of this with Sister Russell, who's been praying uh, on, in, in this church family since before this church owned all this property. She used to come walk on this field, and, and when the church was down the street, <clears throat> she would say, there's going to be a church here one day. There's going to be a church here. She was walking and praying, and uh, here she is now 
well in her 90s. <clears throat> and um, my question is, where are the intercessors that are going to step into that role when that mantle shifts? Come on, we're in a time where Oral Roberts has gone to heaven. There's a mantle that falls back to the earth. Who's going to pick that up and carry that? There are some amazing people who have gone to be with Jesus. They've served their generation well. Billy Graham, in this season, it's a significant season of the church to really carry the mantle that God's called us to. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. The title again, Intercessory Leadership. Carry each other's burdens. What does that mean? Carry each other's burdens. What bothers you, bothers me. What concerns you, concerns me. How I handle that uh, is really a determination of whether or not I'm expressing true leadership or immaturity. Because if I carry your offense, I'm not helping you. I'm only deepening a problem in your life. But if I carry your burden well with you, then I truly fulfill the law of Jesus, the sacrificial love of Christ. And that's what this says. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So I just want to break that down a little bit, and then I want to give you some ideas that are uh, challenging to uh, how the progression of what's going on spiritually around us. The context is always very important for verses like this. So let's go back one verse, and we're going to look at Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Uh, it's easy to point out somebody's mistake, but how, how are you supposed to do it? <laughs> gently, in a way that helps them draw closer to God, not get angry at the body of Christ. So we need to learn. Our job is not to change people. Our job is to love people. Very important statement that we understand. It is never your job to change anybody. It is always your job to love everybody. When we lose sight of loving people in the name of trying to change people, they will not feel loved. And the Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord that led you to repentance. And a gospel that lacks kindness, because we're in making these efforts to change people, is that if the gospel lacks kindness, the gospel will lack repentance. People will not repent if they do not sense the love of God. That is the kingpin issue in all of this. So God wants us to experience His love in such a way that if Brad comes to me and shares with me what's going on in his life, I carry that burden. I pray for him. But Brad ought to get a text message from me or from others from time to time that the Holy Spirit has prompted us to minister and pray for him in a moment in time that he hasn't told anybody because we're just a force to be contended with, being led by the Spirit, carrying each other's burdens at exactly the, the, the right time, not even knowing that the Spirit of God is orchestrating us as a mighty force against the enemy. Boy, the enemy's nervous about what I'm talking to you about right now. This context goes on, and it says in Galatians 6, verse 9, Let us not lose heart in doing good. <clears throat> For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. It's pretty important that you notice this is a we statement. There's a lot I can say about all of this, but I just want you to know community is important in the kingdom of God. You're not, de you're not designed to go be a mighty ninja warrior on your own. You're designed to be a company of prophetic men and women of God that are connected. Our shields are connected, right? From this past Sunday, we see our shields are connected and we become a family. We become a force when we, if in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So this is what I want to put together in the context of all this, carrying each other's burdens uh, we do so, the whole issue, someone caught in a sin, we're trying to restore them, carry that burden. Your burden will begin to touch me as I carry that burden. And this then is in the context of conquering discouragement. Track what I'm saying. Uh, Tracy can tell you my counseling load many times. 
because she discerns me of what my struggle is in the moment. Uh, there have been times that I've been snippy with her, and I'm not normally snippy. I'm pretty direct, but I'm not normally snippy. Um, and there'll be times I'll get snippy with her, and she'll, she'll just say, hold, hold, hold on. Are you counseling somebody right now? What's going on spiritually in the dynamic of what you're doing in ministry? And she can discern, I'm carrying someone else's burden. When I start to counsel somebody who's having marital strain, guess what tries to invade my life? When I'm counseling somebody who's dealing with financial strain, guess what's trying to invade my life? And so understand that with you. This is intercessory leadership. Many burdens you carry are not even yours, so don't own them as if it's your problem that you are assigned from the enemy. That's just not true. It's a lie. But if you don't understand this, this is why it's so important when people would, live, would move into our home and I would explain, you're going to deal with division, frustration, but I'm just going to tell you right now, that does not exist in my household. That will never live here. It will never dwell here. We will address anything the enemy tries to bring straight up with his word and the power of his spirit. And I need to know you're going to take every thought captive, not general ways of thinking, every single thought. In the Old Testament, when warfare would take place, they would go in and conquer these territories. And does it bother anybody that they killed everyone? The the assignment from God was kill everyone. I read that and I'm just like, my goodness, what is this? How do you reconcile the love of God and kill everyone? They wouldn't let one single person remain living in those areas where they were conquering. The reason that that uh, is the mandate is because God was trying to preserve a bloodline of a Messiah to rescue all humanity, and the enemy wanted to contaminate the bloodline. And if they drew people in who served other gods, then it would pervert the bloodline, and the Messiah, the, the whole plan for the Messiah to rescue humanity would have been destroyed and defeated. And so God had to kill every single one. I'm sure that as warriors, they, they sometimes looked and thought, I mean, why would I, you know, this... I mean, this isn't just the men that we're killing. You know, I just, I mean, that's just, the, the, I'm going to leave that one alone. That's exactly the New Testament, what you do with your thoughts. Kill every thought. It doesn't really look that bad. I mean, it's not really threatening. It's okay. You can justify it anywhere you want, but I'm going to tell you, take every thought captive. And it'll cultivate an atmosphere and a culture in your life that will release the bloodline of the Messiah and awaken the gift of God in you. The anointing will destroy every yoke of bondage, Isaiah Uh, Chapter 10, verse 21, the anointing of God will destroy every yoke, every yoke. There's some things we can justify that are not acceptable in the sight of God. So do not do that. Take every thought captive. Intercession is being able to be used like Jesus by standing in the gap for other people. That's what intercession is. Uh, Imagine being so under stress that you sweat drops of blood. That is a medical uh, condition that actually is defined and it is extreme distress. But Jesus was carrying such pressure and such stress in intercession that he began to literally sweat drops of blood. Listen, some of your battles are not your own. Some of your battles are not your own. You need to understand that some of the things, the warfare, the, 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 the challenges that come, they're not your own. And so don't own those. Don't, don't possess them. Well, I, that's just how I am. No, that's not just how you are. Cast that off. Don't carry that burden. Don't take that yoke on yourself. The anointing destroys every yoke of bondage. It's such an important thing that we understand as we move into places of leadership and influence. It is so important <clears throat> that we understand this. So, Lord... 
I thank you you're opening up something for us just to get the basis and understanding of. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see this now with greater clarity in Scripture and the verses we'll look through. Help us, Lord, just to be who you've called us to be. I pray, Lord, you would deliver us from trying to be performance-driven, to accomplish things in the name of God. Lord, we would just understand you're calling us to be sons and daughters in a relationship with you. When we learn to relax, we will be revealed correctly. And everything that you're awakening within us just becomes so automatic and born from an atmosphere, Lord, where your presence prevails. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. A few verses for you to understand this. Romans 15, 1. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. We who are strong. Romans 15, 1. We who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those that are weak. In other words, this whole idea of ministry and what God's calling you to accomplish is not just about you trying to go and be strong as a present a representation of Him but the strength He gives you is so that you can carry other people's burdens and reach into the weakness in their lives and awaken something by the Spirit of God from them. It is entirely possible. This is, this is just, this will strain your brain a little bit as you think about it, but it is entirely possible for you to carry weakness on behalf of others. It is entirely possible for you to carry a sense of depression on behalf of others. It is entirely possible for you to carry a sense of strain relationally on behalf of others. It is entirely possible for you to carry sickness in your body on behalf of others. It is entirely possible for you to carry temptation of sin on behalf of others. This is just so far reaching in the ramifications of what God has called you and I to do in in roles of leadership. It's the anointing then within us that rises up to more than conquer that situation, not only giving us freedom in that life, in that life, in that situation, but then awakening that freedom for the person you're carrying the burden to accomplish. And I, I know this, uh, we're, we're all in a kind of same church climate and, and, you know, I'm not talking things that are totally outrageous to us, but this is totally outrageous to some believers. But I do want to just give you a strong basis to understand where I'm coming from with it. Genesis 20 verse 2, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Okay, tell me the story I'm talking about. Who's the married couple? Abraham and Sarah. He didn't say she was my wife. She said she is my sister. sister. And the king of what? Anybody catch where they are? Gerar. Okay, those are all the significant details for you to comprehend what happens six chapters later. Married couple, not my wife, she's my sister, and they're in Gerar. This is Abraham. Isaac hadn't yet been born. Okay, no Isaac in the picture yet. Six chapters later, many years later, Genesis 26, verses 6 and 7. So Isaac lived in Gerar. And when the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister. So here is Isaac in the same place telling the same lie that his daddy did and told before he was ever born. I could rock your world right now and shatter your image of me to tell you some of the struggles that I have had to deal with in my own life. I this last week had a very difficult conversation with Tracy just exposing the depth of some of the things that I know 
that I have to fight through and deal with generationally. But I just want you to know every Goliath you don't kill will live to fight your kids. And my children will not face these giants. I will not allow. I will not allow. I will not allow my pride or my insecurity to cover up things. I am going to go to my wife anytime as my number one intercessory partner in life. And I'm going to tell her, I don't understand why this is going on so seemingly deeply in me, but I need God to heal me. And I went through that process this week. Don't you get misty eyed about what it is to be in leadership. And you know, you're so awesome. You probably have a hard time sinking in the bath water. And I, I just want you to know, I sink like a rock, just like you. We, this clay person that we all are, God wants to do something so powerful in our lives, but we've got to lay down our lofty ideas about what that is to become. I just want to, I want you to understand there's not a place where you arrive and you've achieved humility. There's not a place where you arrive and you've achieved anything because the kingdom of God is not a destination. The kingdom of God is a journey. And that journey is a process of becoming, not a pursuit of a place of arrival. Come on. God wants to do something in our hearts. And there are issues that have existed in generations prior to me. I know what it is to be the first person to graduate high school in my family line. I know what it is to be the first person in my family line to not cheat on my wife. I know what it is to break some of those curses that try to creep up and arrive in my life so that that is not a part of my legacy or the wake that follows behind me as we move forward in everything God's called us to move forward in. There is more going on supernaturally, spiritually around you, and your battle is not about your battle. Your battle is about something so much more. You're carrying burdens you don't even realize you're carrying. So rise up in the anointing. Stay true to the rhythm God's called you to stay true. Get in the Word every single day, not because of a bondage, but because of a freedom and because you will perpetuate that freedom in the lives of other people. Stay true to congregational gathering as the church family God's called you to be. Step into roles of leadership. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Don't allow yourself to grow into that place where you lose heart in doing what God's called you to do. For we will reap if we do not grow weary. We can do this. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. There's a lot going on spiritually. Notice this. This is crazy to me. Um, Lot... How much time do I have? Just make sure. Okay, ten minutes. Um, this is all online, by the way. DestinyChristian.com forward slash leadership, right? Leadership, uh, and you'll find summer intensive on there. Okay, so uh, get go back and listen to some of these things if you'd like. The notes are there on my blog. But uh, so here's Lot and his wife leaving. What was the city? Sodom and Gomorrah. This was a city of sexual sin. <laughs> Right? City of sexual sin. And so here they leave. Lot's wife looks back. She dies. They have two daughters. Uh, they, Lot takes her, her two daughters up into the mountains. And something crazy goes on up there in Genesis 19. You can read the whole story. But the two daughters get desperate. And they say, man, we're never going to have children. We're never going to have offspring. We're just going to die and never have legacy. Let's get our father drunk. Let's have sex with him. What do they come out of? A city of sexual sin. What were they doing? Entertaining ideas of sexual sin. Do you think something might have been going on more than they were realizing? And so they get him drunk, both of them. They have sex with their dad. They have two sons. Those sons' names are Moab and Ammon. They name them Moab and Ammon. 
That is hugely significant as intercessory leaders need to understand. Because when you read the book of Ruth, they moved to a place that the Moab people became so great that they became the Moabites. And they go to a place called Moab where the Moabites dwell, which was born from a city of sexual sin that led to sexual sin with this father and two daughters. And Ruth's story tells about her sons and her husband. Their father was killed. Moab, this place of sexual sin, is where we lose the seed bearers, seed carriers in the body of Christ. It's where husbands are lost. It's where fathers are lost. It's where sons are lost. And it's not just an element of just men. This is more than that. But you have to understand there's something being revealed in all of this. Now, I'm going to take you deep into intricate, elaborate uh, explanation of something. But, but you, you, you're tracking me okay on all this so far. Sodom and Gomorrah, sexual sin, moved out sexual sin, Moab, Ammonites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, people that were born from sexual sin. And then we find this, you know, David's a stellar of a guy. Here he is in the shepherd in a field just serving God, doing everything he was doing with all of his heart. And, and I mean, just so amazing. He went to the king, found such favor with the king. David was so awesome. He was so humble about what God was calling him to do. And then he steps into this role as the king, and we suddenly find him in sexual sin with Bathsheba. Why did that happen? Has anybody ever looked at that and thought, that seems a little uncharacteristic of this guy. I mean, we don't really know the history or what was going on or what was being seated, but we do know suddenly in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David falls into sexual sin with Bathsheba. When, where is it found? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Okay, you need to know that. 2 Samuel chapter 11, David falls into sexual sin with Bathsheba. When you go to war and you step into battle, you're carrying burdens that you don't even know exist, and they will try to get on you. Second Samuel chapter 11. Let's go three chapters earlier, and we find David fighting against a people group called the Moabites. Let's go one chapter earlier, Second Samuel 10. We find David fighting against a people called the Ammonites. Here David comes up in war against the result of humanity, sexual sin, Moabites, Ammonites, and then we find him so given to a place of temptation that he falls to pieces. I mean, I, I cannot say to you, I'm sorry I'm so emotional, but I just, I cannot say to you how important it is that you are staying the course with the call of God on your life. You have no idea what you are encountering in the supernatural realm and dynamic, and you have to have His Word awakened within you, being led by His Spirit, that you might conquer those things, that entanglements that will try to hold you back. Because if you're held back, people around you will be held back. There's a lot more going on spiritually around us than any of us realize. Do you agree? We have to cultivate. And let me just go right to an attitude of negativity where the promises of God slowly erode and don't even exist within our lives. The devil does not want recognition in your life. He just wants to quietly contaminate the promises of God so they never grow in who you are. And I want to say to you, an attitude of negativity is one of the enemy's greatest tools against us. And let's not allow the enemy to have any entrance in that. Because an attitude of negativity is born from a heart that's more surrendered to the fall of man than it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. We will not be more surrendered to the fall of humanity than we will the resurrection of Christ. Preserving a positive attitude in a fallen world takes constant commitment 
to practice a perspective of hope. All this to drive you to the place of the Holy Spirit saying to me in this room, there is a perspective of hopelessness that he is serving notice on that does not even belong to you, but you have allowed yourself to get under that weight. In many instances in this room, you don't even realize you're hopeless about a situation. You just don't have hope for it. That means you're hopeless for it. Stir yourself up to take hold of the things of God. Stir yourself up to break out on the left and break out on the right. Stir yourself up to move where God's calling you to go. Because the less we're prepared for battles, the longer God's plans will take. I want to go everywhere God wants me to go. But He's not going to take me places that are going to destroy me because He's a loving Father. When we start talking about being faithful and true and all those things, our our religious nonsense gets in the way and we start trying to reward people as if they're going to be rewarded and more blessed. And and I just want to say it again. You're not going to, God's not going to love you anymore. If you go to church, he won't love you any less if you don't. But you'll not become everything God's called you to become if you don't submit to what he says is important in your life. God's not going to love you any less if you are in the Word less. He's not going to love you any more if you memorize the whole Bible. His love for you is not going to change. But you must become everything God's called you to become. Therefore, what He says is important. You need to prioritize. Don't let Jesus be the only one making sacrifices in this relationship with Him. You make the sacrifices He's calling you to make so you can become more of what He's called you to become. The less we're prepared for battles, the longer God's plans will take. And here's the basis for that. Exodus 13, 17. God did not lead them on the road that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. I want the quick path. I really want the quick path, but God knows best. Come on, let's just stand. Lord, your word is so powerful. Your word is so rich. Your presence, Lord, is so heavy. So wonderful and refreshing. God, help us to be available to all you desire to accomplish. Help us, Lord, to be surrendered as we walk out the will, plan, and purpose of God in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we just we just address negativity today. We address the lack of hope in situations where we have stopped hoping. We don't even realize we've slowly drifted into a state of hopelessness. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so we rise up in great strength. We take up the full armor of God that we might fulfill everything about our assignment from you. Something God wanted done made us necessary. God wants to awaken a love and a life and a strength within us to fulfill everything about our existence where we would discover eternal purpose in our temporal world. In the name of Jesus, I bless these men and women of God. I just declare, Lord, with the office you've entrusted to my care, with the fullness of that office, God, I just release the blessing of God over families, over finances, Lord, over emotion, over attitude, over uh, all the things, God, that we're, the burdens that we're carrying today, we just cast our cares on you, for you care for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.